We have an active shooter. We have an active shooter inside the warehouse. Welcome to Active Shooter, a podcast that covers the whys, the hows, and the aftermath of active shooter and mass casualty events. They have an active shooter in the building. A second call says they uh, are being attacked. I'm in shot. One six nine ten means we got shots fired. Four fifteen a at the Route ninety one. Sounded like an automatic firearm. Active shooter, reports of an active shooter, active shooter, active shooter of mass casualty incidents. Thank you for listening. You are listening to Active Shooter, a podcast that may contain adult themes, explicit language, and graphic depictions of violence. Portions of this show may be traumatic for those under 18. Listener discretion is advised. We have breaking news about that deadly mass shooting in a Southern California bar and country music venue. The Ventura County Sheriff says a gunman opened fire inside as it was crowded with more than 100 people, many of them college students. He killed 12 people, including a sheriff sergeant who was responding to the scene. Police found the shooter dead inside, and they reportedly have identified him. There's been a lot of debate recently about the use of cell phone applications to locate your friends and family and see where they are and at what time. Teenagers enjoy seeing where their friends are and what they are doing, while parents seem to loathe these apps due to their child's location being visible to everyone, sometimes including strangers. However, when correctly utilized, they can come in handy in emergency situations, say, if you're lost in the woods. Applications such as Find My Friends, Snapchat, and Life360 use your cell phone's GPS to locate where you are, and then displays it for others to see. In today's episode, we will discuss how friends and families utilize these apps to know whether their loved ones were dead or alive. Active Shooter, the podcast, is a High Five Holly production, and I'm your host, JT. If you've listened to our prior episodes, you know that the Active Shooter podcast team has taken the No Notoriety Pledge, and we will not be sharing the real name of the shooters that we cover. We will be giving the shooters a pseudonym and refer to them by that name throughout the episode. This will help in clearing up any confusion in the story while remaining true to our pledge and not naming the shooter by their actual name. In today's episode, we will be referring to the shooter as Brandon. On Wednesday, November 7th, 2018, at around 11.20 p.m., over 200 college-age students filled the dance hall of a popular country-line dancing nightclub called Borderline Bar and Grill, located in Thousand Oaks, California. Brandon, a 28-year-old Marine Corps veteran, had parked his car and started to make his way towards the popular country western bar. He was armed with a 45 Glock 21 semi-automatic pistol, complete with a laser sight. He also had seven high-capacity magazines, 
each magazine being able to hold 30 rounds. Brandon was dressed all in black, heavily tattooed, with sunglasses on and a bandana covering his face. As he approached the bar, he noticed a bouncer outside the entrance. As Brandon neared, he shot the bouncer, killing him instantly. Brandon then made his way inside. When he entered the front doors, there was a young lady named Christina standing behind the counter. Christina worked as a cashier at the bar. Without giving it a second thought, Brandon raised his firearm and shot Christina, also killing her instantly. After shooting and killing Christina, Brandon turned right and made his way through the bar and opened fire all while, shockingly, posting to social media. Brandon had posted two social media posts while committing the shooting. I hope people call me insane. Yeah, I'm insane. But the only thing you people do after these shootings is hopes and prayers and wonder why these keep happening. Brandon also threw smoke bombs into the crowds that created thick, heavy smoke throughout the bar and dance area. The patrons were confused, not sure what was going on. One witness commented that she thought the balloons were popping. It never occurred to her that they were under fire. As soon as people saw bodies falling and bullets spraying, they quickly figured out that there was an active shooter in the bar. Chaos quickly ensued as people started running for their lives. While some patrons were able to escape out a side exit, others weren't so lucky. A handful of people had thrown bar stools at a window in order to smash the window so they could escape to freedom. Friends got the bar stools and they started slamming it against the window so we could get out. <laughs> others hid under bar furniture, pool tables, bathrooms, and even in crawl spaces in the attic. Listeners, the following clip contains the sound of gunshots and may be triggering for some people. If you're not comfortable hearing this audio, please skip forward 40 seconds. Sergeant Ron Hillis was on the phone with his wife when he heard the call of shots fired over his police radio. He told his wife he loved her, and he had to go. After hanging up the phone, Sergeant Hillis, as well as a California Highway Patrol officer, made their way towards the Borderline Bar and Grill. As soon as they heard shots being fired, they entered the building without giving it a second thought. Sergeant Hillis and the patrol officer entered and immediately exchanged gunfire with Brandon. While Brandon was being shot at, he put the gun to his head and pulled the trigger, killing himself instantly. Tragically, Sergeant Ron Hillis wouldn't survive the gunfight. He was shot five times by the shooter, and once, on accident, by the highway patrol officer. But Sergeant Hillis died a hero. Bye. 
Yes, there are multiple shots being fired in the back northwest area. We got multiple people down. We need a lot of ambulances. We have one victim who was shot and bleeding at the entrance. As additional police, fire departments, and ambulances arrived, the panic didn't immediately cease. Due to the amount of smoke from the smoke bombs and gunfire, screams, and blood everywhere, it was near impossible to tell that the shooter had committed suicide. His body would later be found in the kitchen office area. Officers started escorting large groups of people to safety and evacuating the people who were still inside the building cowering with fear. At least five off-duty police officers had heard of the attack and responded to the scene to see what they could do to help. Brandon had fired for almost three full minutes. Witnesses, however, would later say it felt like much, much longer. Brandon had killed 12 people in total. All the victims were shot at close range and died quickly. One victim suffered bullet wounds and was also stabbed in the neck by Brandon. I heard the gunshot. I turned around and I saw him shoot a couple more times. And within a split second, everyone yelled, get down. So I ran to the left of the dance floor where the back door is. And everyone pretty much dogpiled on top of each other. And then um, it was silent for a couple seconds. And then all of a sudden, a couple guys that were closer to the bar uh they got up and started running towards the back door and said, get up, he's coming. And so um, it was huge panic. Everyone tried getting up and then um, strampled a couple times. Some guy came behind me, lifted me up and said, let's go. Um, and then I got a bar stool thrown at my head because they were trying to break the window to get out. A total of 128 people were injured. One was injured by gunfire. Four victims had fractured bones and dislocated joints. Thirteen victims needed stitches. And 110 victims had bumps, scrapes, bruises, or complained of pain. The amount of psychological damage that was done was impossible to quantify. A family reunification center was set up at the Thousand Oaks Teen Center as well as a base of operations in a parking lot of a shopping center located just a few blocks away. Friends and families flocked to the reunification center in hopes that their loved ones would be there. Not everyone would be so lucky, however. As mentioned in the beginning of this episode, many people utilized different apps where a person could see where someone else was by using the GPS coordinates on that person's phone. Jason Kaufman One of the victim's fathers used his son's tracking app to locate his son. The app showed that his son was at the bar and that his location was not moving. This confirmed Jason's worst nightmare. His son was inside the bar, dead. As stated earlier, there is a lot of controversy with the use of tracking apps. Some parents love the fact that they can track their children and see where they are, while it instills fear in others that strangers may be able to track their child. There is no right answer if tracking apps are good or bad, and it seems that this is just the beginning, as technology is ever-evolving. Police concluded their investigation, including conducting over 400 interviews with witnesses, family members, 
and police. Hours of surveillance footage also had to be reviewed, as well as over 85 911 calls. Five of the seven high-capacity magazines were recovered fully loaded. These high-capacity magazines are banned in the state of California, and it is unknown where exactly Brandon purchased them. Investigators did find out that the gun used in the slaying was bought at a Southern California gun shop. Officers also secured search warrants for Brandon's home, where he lived with his mom, as well as Brandon's vehicle. No other weapons were found. 54-year-old Sergeant Ron Hillis was a 29-year veteran of the Ventura County Sheriff's Office. He was hoping to retire within the next year or so, a milestone that was tragically taken from him. Sergeant Hillis enjoyed camping and going on fishing trips, especially with his son Jordan and wife Karen. In addition to working for the Ventura County Sheriff's Office, Sergeant Hillis also had his own business teaching gun safety to individuals who were interested in getting their concealed weapons permit. He had gotten his master's degree in administrative leadership from the University of Oklahoma. Sergeant Hillis risked his life to save many, many others. His strength and heroism will never be forgotten. Noel Sparks was 21 years old and excelled as a dancer and an artist. Noel was also a member of the United Methodist Church Westlake Village. Dan Manrique was 33 years old and a Marine Corps veteran. He dedicated his life to helping and serving others. Justin Meek was 23 years old and a recent graduate from California Lutheran University. He worked at the Veterans Resource Office and was planning on joining the U.S. Coast Guard. Cody Kaufman, whose father was mentioned earlier, had just celebrated his 22nd birthday. He was thinking about joining the Army. Cody was also the head umpire for a local baseball league, something he was very passionate about. Elena Housley was an 18-year-old student at Pepperdine University. Her aunt is actress Tamara Mowry Housley. Elena's aunt and uncle took to social media to ask for thoughts, prayers, and support during this troubling time. Telemachus Orfanos, or Tell, was 27 years old. Tell had survived the Route 91 music festival shooting in Las Vegas. However, he wouldn't survive the shooting that occurred at the Thousand Oaks Bar and Grill. Tell's mom made a statement stating she doesn't want thoughts. She doesn't want prayers. She only wants gun control. The bouncer for the Borderline Bar and Grill, Sean Adler, was 48 years old. He was the former strength coach at Royal High School for their wrestling team. Mark Maitza Jr. would have celebrated his 21st birthday on November 19th, a birthday he would never see. His family called him Marky, and he was full of life and ambition. Blake Dingman was 21 years old when his life was tragically taken. Upon hearing of the shooting, his family raced to the borderline to see if Blake was alright. However, it was too late. Blake enjoyed skateboarding and BMX bike riding. Christina Morissette was a 20-year-old free spirit. She had a beautiful smile that she always gave when you walked through the doors. Christina was the cashier that night, and Brandon's second victim. Jacob Dunham was 21 years old. When asked to describe Jacob in one word, his family responded with, Fearless. Jacob was the life of every party, and enjoyed BMX and dirt bike riding, off-roading, wake surfing, and kneeboarding. Thousand Oaks, California was incorporated on October 7, 1964. 
the city was named after many beautiful oak trees in the area. Thousand Oaks is the second largest city in Ventura County and is located about 40 miles from Los Angeles. In 2018, the population was about 127,000 people. The top employer is Amgen, Inc., and the second largest employer is the Oaks Shopping Mall. Borderline Bar and Grill was first opened in the late 1980s in Malibu, California, and then was later moved to Thousand Oaks. The bar was officially established in 1993. The bar is popular with a college crowd having several different colleges nearby, such as California State University, Channel Island, located in Camarillo, California, Pepperdine University, and Moorpark College. Borderline is Ventura County's largest country dance hall and live music venue, with 2,500 square feet of only dance floor. The bar has pool tables, games, TVs, a full bar, as well as a full dinner menu. Borderline Bar and Grill is co-owned by Brian Hines and Troy Hale. Information about Brandon before he started high school is somewhat unknown. We know that he was an only child, and his mother and father divorced when he was only a year old. When Brandon was quite young, his father passed away from cancer, and his mother raised him. Brandon started high school at El Modena before transferring to Newberry Park High School, where he would complete his junior and senior years. Not long into Brandon's senior year did he decide he was going to join the military and enlist with the Marine Corps. While in high school, Brandon enjoyed snowboarding, trucks, and playing a tactical shooter video game called Ghost Recon Advanced Warfighter. Brandon was a sprinter on the track team and also played on the baseball team. Former classmates would later say that Brandon had anger issues that were very apparent. One incident that seems to stick out for everyone that knew Brandon in high school was when Brandon was at track practice one day. One of the track coaches had found a cell phone. The coach asked whose cell phone it was. Brandon said it was his, and when she didn't immediately give him the cell phone, he got angry and assaulted the track coach. Another time, Brandon pretended to shoot her in the head. The track coach wanted Brandon off the team immediately. However, all other coaches discouraged her from kicking him off the team or alerting the authorities because they knew Brandon was waiting to enlist in the Marines, and they didn't want his dreams of joining the military to be ruined. Ultimately, the track coach decided not to get the authorities involved. Brandon graduated from Newberry Park High School in 2008, and would begin serving in the Marines from August 2008 until March 2013. Brandon had a rather normal military career, and was proud that he followed in his grandfather's footsteps who had served in the Navy for 30 years. Brandon served for a time in Hawaii, where he met his future wife in 2009, and they quickly became married. In 2011, the couple had separated when Brandon was deployed overseas. After he returned from his deployment, Brandon filed for divorce in May of 2013. He cited irreconcilable differences as the reason for the divorce. Brandon earned many different awards and medals while he was in the service. In August of 2011, he earned the rank of corporal. He also earned the Sea Service Deployment Ribbon, Afghanistan Campaign Medal, Global War on Terrorism Service Medal, and the National Defense Service Medal. While deployed, Brandon helped build roads, canals, and tried to help others overseas. His old military roommate later commented that Brandon seemed like a great guy. Brandon even gave him a Bible when they were deployed that he still uses today. Brandon was described as a low-performing Marine, and although he received various medals, he still didn't do enough to stand out more. 
his military record indicated that Brandon was never wounded or punished for misconduct. In March of 2013, Brandon was honorably discharged from the Marines and immediately enrolled at California State University, Northridge. He studied athletic training from 2013 to 2016 and came close to graduating but dropped out before doing so. A prior roommate that lived with Brandon while he was in college stated that Brandon was a rather odd person. He seemed to just keep to himself and spend a lot of time in his room. When he did come out of his room, however, he would go into their garage and turn on electronic music as loud as it would go, and he would be in there for hours practicing dance moves. When he came out of the garage, he would be all sweaty and out of breath. After dropping out of school, Brandon went and lived with his mom. Friends and neighbors commented on how nice and friendly his mother was. She always would say hello to you and enjoyed rescuing German shepherds from animal shelters. She had two of them that lived at the house with her and Brandon. Growing up, his mom was always active in Brandon's school and organized different athletic fundraisers. She also proudly posted photos of Brandon on her social media pages. Brandon eventually moved into his mom's ranch-style home at 804 Fowler Avenue. The home sat on a beautiful little street lined with palm trees. The serene Fowler Avenue would quickly become disturbed by Brandon's outrageous behavior. He and his mom would have loud and aggressive verbal fights. Brandon would punch holes in the wall while screaming at his mom and throwing furniture around. Sometimes the neighbors would even hear gunfire. Brandon's mother went to her job at Procter & Gamble every day, while Brandon rarely left the home. She might have been afraid of him herself. I don't know. She never said that. But she was living in hell. When he did leave the home, he never spoke to the neighbors and always kept his head down. The neighbors also didn't go out of their way to converse with Brandon, as just his presence made them uncomfortable. Many people have assumed that Brandon was living with PTSD from being overseas at war. While this may be true, there's been no direct evidence to prove that Brandon was ever diagnosed. Brandon's mom would confide in friends and express her frustration with Brandon as he refused to get help. If you or someone you know is suffering from PTSD, please see the links in the show notes on ways to get help. Immediately following the shooting, the president ordered all American flags to be at half-staff. The nearby university, California Lutheran University, canceled classes for the rest of the week, while all the other nearby schools had counselors on hand every day and many days following the shooting. Close to 100 events were held to honor the victims of the Thousand Oaks shooting. Numerous vigils, memorials, and fundraisers were held. A portion of the freeway that passes by the bar was named in honor of Sergeant Ron Helis. It doesn't matter what community you're in. It doesn't matter how safe your community is. It can happen anywhere. On Thanksgiving Day of 2019, co-owners Brian Hines and Troy Hale announced that Borderline Bar and Grill would reopen. While construction is being done on the Thousand Oaks Borderline Bar and Grill, the duo has opened a new location in Agora Hills, California, named the BL Dance Hall and Saloon. While it will take time to rebuild in Thousand Oaks, one thing will always remain. They will always be borderline strong. Hey everybody, happy Thanksgiving. Troy Hale, Brian Hines here, the owners of the Borderline Bar and Grill. We have an update for you guys. We figured this is the best way to do it. Everybody's been asking a lot of questions, so we have some, uh, we have some news for you. Happy Thanksgiving. Uh, lots to be thankful for, for everything you guys have done for us. 
we uh, we have decided to reopen the bar. We're going to reopen the Borderline Bar and Grill. It's going to take a little while. Uh, we will work towards it <clears throat> best we can, but temporarily, Troy's got some updates and some things we're going to do for you guys. We got some big news. We are opening a new place in Agora Hills. It's going to be called the BL Dance Hall and Saloon. We're bringing everything back that made the actual Borderline home feel like home. We're bringing everything as far as the neons. The dance floor, we're actually going to be building a brand new dance floor. Um, pool tables, you name it. Everything that you loved about Borderline, we're bringing to this new location in Agora Hills. Um, check out below in the description. You can find the address. It'll be posted everywhere. Even check out our website. We have all the information there. Um, we're just really excited to bring this back to you guys and have something we can actually call home now. It's kind of be our temporary home for the time being until we actually get Borderline reopened. Um, in the meantime, we are going to be keeping the Agora and Santa Clarita Nights going at Canyon Club. So we'd like to thank you guys for those. Um, anything else? We're here for you. Like, you've been here for us. We're going to bring back that disco saddle and all the love that had that made Borderline Borderline. So uh, enjoy the BL. Enjoy us. We'll hopefully see you soon. And we'll keep giving you these updates as long as we know. Um, but like we said, it is going to be a little while since we get the, the old bar open. So let's try this new one for a while. Yep. Hope to see you guys soon. And uh, stay tuned for more updates. And uh, have a great Thanksgiving. See you guys. We love you all. Thank you for listening to today's episode of Active Shooter, the podcast. Remember, if you see something, say something. There's no telling how many lives you may be saving. Active shooter, reports of an active shooter, active shooter, active shooter of mass casualty incidents. Make sure to check us out on social media. We have a discussion group on Facebook. Just search for Active Shooter, the podcast discussion group. You can also find us on Instagram at Active the Podcast and Twitter at Podcast Active. For just $1 a month, you can get access to ad-free episodes, early release episodes when available, and a shout-out on the show. Just go to patreon.com forward slash active the podcast. Thank you, and be safe.